Hey friends, this is Josh Blair, and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer for you today is that the message you hear will encourage you and inspire you to walk closer with Jesus this week. Uh, We've been going through this series on knowing the Holy Spirit. In the last couple of weeks, we covered the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person, not just a force or a power, but is a person, one of the persons in the Godhead uh, of the the Trinity, the Godhead, the God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a personality. He has a will. He has desires. He intercedes for us, and He wants to have relationship with us. Last week, we talked about the ways that He desires relationship through fellowship, through partnership, and through intimacy, basically meaning this, that he wants to walk closely with you, that he wants to partner with you, and that he wants a deep, intimate friendship with you. The Holy Spirit desires that, and today we're going to be talking about what it means to be empowered by his Spirit. What does it mean, and, and what does it look like when we walk closely with, with the Holy Spirit? It looks like us drawing closer to Jesus, because the, the job of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Jesus to us. So the closer we draw to the Holy Spirit, the more we look like Jesus, the more we act like Jesus and respond like Jesus. It is the purpose and the passion of the Holy Spirit. We take on his characteristics. We take on, uh, we are better witnesses, as my dad had previously mentioned. We become better witnesses of Jesus because we walk closely with Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit's goal to reveal Jesus to us. Now that we've covered these things, I want to answer these questions this morning. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And what is the purpose of spirit baptism, especially in relation to speaking in tongues? This is probably one of the most controversial uh, topics to mention in the, church, in the church world. This idea of speaking in tongues. What is it for? What's the purpose? And what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? We're going to answer those questions this morning. I like to ask these questions because they help me direct the, the part of the message and, and where we're going this morning. So that's what we're going to answer today. And as we do, would you, would you pray with me, just inviting the Holy Spirit to continue to speak to us and to our hearts. Holy Spirit, we desire to know you more intimately. We want to know, God. We trust you. We're not afraid of you. God, we're not afraid of what you might do or what you might say. We trust you more than our own emotions, more than our own feelings, more than our own thoughts, God. You are God. You know us better than we even know ourselves. So we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak clearly to us and speak clearly through me your words for your people. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Here are some things that we need to lay down foundationally before we can get to the understanding of speaking in tongues. The first one is this. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have been repositioned in a place of authority in the kingdom of God. If you are a follower of Jesus, the Bible says very clearly, and we say this quite a bit around here, that when you accept Jesus, you have been brought from death into life, from darkness into light. Do you agree? You have been repositioned. Now, you are not outside the kingdom of God. Now, you belong in the kingdom. And when you're in the kingdom, you have been given a place or a seat of authority in that kingdom. You're not just a peasant or a servant in the kingdom of God. You have now been given a place of authority in the kingdom of God. Romans 8.17 says that, and Ephesians 2.6 says this. Romans 8.17 tells us that by the Holy Spirit, we've been changed into children of God. And if children of God, then heirs. That means uh, receivers of the inheritance from God our Father to us. It says that we are co-heirs with Christ. That means whatever is Christ's is also, is also ours. Are you with me? We are now co-heirs with Christ. We have been given and granted a place in His kingdom. Ephesians 2.6 says this, 
that you have been seated with Jesus in the heavenly realm, meaning that you have been given a place of authority in the kingdom. Say authority. You have been given authority. Are you with me so far? You have been given a place of authority in the kingdom of God. Jesus told us that as his followers, we have been given authority over, over the evil one. Do you know how you have authority over the devil? He does not have authority over you. You have authority over him. And what you say to him goes. Because you have authority. But a lot of times we, we miss that. We don't understand it. But you have been given authority today. You've been given authority. And how many of us know that unless authority is exercised or expressed, it is not realized? You can have authority, but if you don't express your authority, it seems like you have no authority at all. Is that true? Ask any parent who, who, whose children will not obey. What do you have to do? Express your authority. Come on, somebody. Am I the only one who has been spanked? And this also, also passes on the gratitude of spanking. You have to discipline at some point. You have to express authority, maybe not through spanking, but something, right? To demonstrate you have authority over your children. If you don't demonstrate your authority, they will always push back on the authority. It has to be expressed to be realized. I would define authority as this, taking responsibility for the things and the people that have been entrusted to your care. Do you agree? When we take responsibility, we are, we are demonstrating, I have authority to do something about this, and I will also do it. You have to demonstrate that you have authority. Now, I want you to imagine with me, and I know I'm moving quickly, but I have a lot that I want to say, say this morning. I want you to imagine with me that you're back in the Middle Ages, right? And there are kings and queens, princesses, the round table of Arthur and knights and so on and whatever. And imagine there is a king or a queen. They have been given ultimate authority to exercise it. And they give this authority to the king or the queen as a way that they can benefit their people and the land that they are governing over. Most times in that day and age, kings and queens were given ultimate or immense power to govern. Now imagine a king or a queen that has been given this power and authority to rule, but never utilize it. They never, they never uh, uh, take authority of, of the position, and, and they never do what the position requires them. Either they didn't realize the power they were granted, or they rejected the power altogether. It wouldn't be long before their kingdom began to crumble and people were in danger of attack from outside sources that wanted to rob them of their lands, of their people and their materials. It wouldn't be long before turmoil began to spread in the kingdom in chaos because the king or the queen failed to take responsibility for the care and the welfare of the people and the land that they were over. Now connect that to being a part of the kingdom of God. And being granted a seat with Christ in heavenly places. Meaning we have been granted authority within the kingdom of God to serve the king of kings, Jesus. But he has also called us to rule and to establish in his kingdom on the earth. And with this call and authority he has given us power to establish his kingdom. This is what 1 Peter 2.9 says this. If you have your Bibles you can turn there or you can look at the screen behind me. 1 Peter Chapter 2, verse 9 says this, But you are a chosen race or a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for whom his, of his own possession, 
that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You and I have been given authority and power to establish God's rule in the earth, but it isn't through our own power or through our own will. God does not call us to establish his kingdom with our own will. And a lot of times as believers, once we, we, we receive the free gift of salvation, we believe when we ask Jesus to come and save us that he's done it. But oftentimes when we say, Holy Spirit, come and fill me, we think there's a disconnect there and we think there's something else that has to happen for, for the power of God to, to pour out in us. And then we try to walk this life, the salvation, we try to walk as believers without the power of the Holy Spirit and it's difficult and it's heavy and it's dry and it's barren because we are trying to do it under our own power. The power of the Holy Spirit has, given, has been given to us to help us walk out our faith with Jesus and to establish His kingdom in the world. You've been given the power of the Holy Spirit, but if we neglect it, if we neglect His power or we misunderstand it or we reject it altogether, we are not taking the responsibility given to us to care for the people around us and to establish God's kingdom. And chaos breaks out in our families, in our neighborhoods, at our places of work and in our schools because the people of God are not walking in the power of God. And we fail to recognize that He has given us this power for our benefit. Kings and queens of the kingdom that do not exercise their authority with power place their people and their kingdoms in jeopardy. Now here's the question that we really need to answer then this morning. How do, uh, how do we as followers of Jesus exercise our authority? How are we supposed to do it? Do we go around just walking around town with our chest, our chest puffed out, our nose up, like, hey, I got authority. Try to do that, and that, no one's going to listen to you, right? There has to be a, a way that we demonstrate or exercise the authority of God in us. And to answer that question, we have to go back to the beginning of our existence. In Genesis, it says, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They're seen exercising their authority in creation. And the authority that was demonstrated through God was by His words. He spoke, and it happened. He exercised his authority by speaking. Genesis 1-3 says this, God said, let there be light, and light was made. He spoke it into existence. He exercised his authority over creation by speaking a word. Why is that important? Because when we come to know God and know that he created us, it says that he created us in his image and in his likeness. Genesis 1-26 says this, let us make humanity in our image and in our likeness and let them have dominion or let them have rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the, all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So we were created in the image and likeness of God and given the same creative power to rule as God said. Maybe you, you're thinking, yeah, that was, I understand that, that happened before the fall of man, but once that happens, we lost all that authority. It's true until the cross. When Jesus died, not only to set us free from our sin and to, to deliver us, but he also died so that he could place us back in the seat of authority over the things that he has called us to establish. And so when Jesus died, when we get, accept Christ as our Lord and Savior through his sacrifice, we now have been given back that place of authority. Are you with me? So we've been created in the image of God and he demonstrated how 
We are to exercise our authority in the kingdom of God through our mouths. Proverbs 18.21 says this, that life and death are in the power of your tongue. So power is exercised through our words. Why is this important as believers? We, we say this all the time. We believe in the power of prayer. Yes? We believe that when we pray, something happens. When we speak to God, we are understanding that, that God is doing something in the supernatural that we cannot see in the natural. Jesus even says that you can speak to this mountain, be moved, and it will be moved. You will speak. There is power in our tongues. Do you believe in the power of prayer? Yes, because you pray. If you didn't believe that there was power in prayer, you would not pray. You would be wasting your time. You would be wasting your breath. But you believe there is power in your words. You believe it because God created you to have power when you speak. But our words are not enough, are they? We are limited in what we can pray for simply because we are lim limited in knowing what to pray for. There are things going on in your life that I don't know about that I wish I could pray for, but I don't know. I don't know what's in your heart. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know, and you don't know mine. So you cannot pray for those things because you do not know those things. Yes? So if there's power in prayer, but there's certain things we are limited in praying for, there has to be, what do we do? What are we supposed to do? In our own power, we're limited to exercise all the authority that Jesus has granted us in his kingdom. But here's the good news. Jesus asked the Father to send a helper and a counselor that would fill us with his spirit and his power. Jesus chose to empower us with his Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus commanded his disciples before they went out and began to tell the world that Jesus is alive. He told them, wait until the Holy Spirit comes in upon you and empowers you. Why did he have to tell them to wait? Because it says that he, was spent, he spent days with them, days and days with them, showing himself to be risen. And could you imagine seeing someone who was dead now alive and saying he's the Son of God? You would want to go tell everybody, right? There would be some excitement. Oh, man, i got to go tell these people. We're going to plant churches. We're going to do all these things. And hold up. Wait for the Spirit of God to empower you first before you go out and try to be a witness because this is heavy stuff. You're going to face opposition, and I don't want you to face it alone. I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit and power. He knew the task at hand needed the power of the Holy Spirit to be successful. And at the first outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the upper room, there was something that took place there that demonstrated the power of God on the people. Something the Bible says could be seen and could be heard. The power of the Holy Spirit can be seen in you and should be heard through you. There is the demonstration of power. What happened in the upper room, the Bible tells us that they spoke in other tongues. Why is that important? Because a believer's authority is expressed through their words. So let's talk about speaking in tongues. Are you with me? Why do we speak in tongues? What's the purpose? This might be one of the most uh, important messages I speak, and I want you to understand it. Scripture says this, and, and I believe it that, well, Scripture doesn't say it, but scripturally I believe this, that there are four types or four purposes for the reason why the Holy Spirit speaks through us through various tongues. I think it helps uh, to help distinguish these four. I'm going to break it into two different categories. There are two for public ministry 
and there are two for private ministry. So I want to I let us know, and, and hopefully that will bring some clarification, because if you've been in church long enough and you have people who um, are not Pentecostal or who don't go to uh, Pentecostal or Spirit-filled churches, you might get a question like this. Well, in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says, do all speak in tongues? And, and he's implying the answer is no, right? But I believe he's speaking about the public ministry, not the private ministry of tongues. So I'm hoping that this will bring some clarity to us why the Holy Spirit does it, and what he, what he is speaking through us. And I, let, me, let me define those two words real quickly. When I speak about public, I mean that there is one person ministering something to someone or to a group of people through the gift of tongues. We, we heard it this morning. There was tongues and then an interpretation that was given to encourage us to seek the Lord. That God, the Holy Spirit, was wanting to pour out over us those who are hungry and thirsty for Him. The person who gave that interpretation, I'm pretty sure, did not know what I was speaking on this morning. But the Holy Spirit knew and wanted to confirm, I am here to pour out my Spirit on you. He speaks this way. That is a public form, a public ministry. Do all of us have that gift? No. It would be chaos if we did. But God gives certain people that public ministry of tongues to edify the people or a person. Then there's the word private. And when I speak about this, I'm speaking about tongues that connects us as individuals directly towards God, either increasing our intimacy and love with Him or allowing us to intercede for someone and their need that we do not know about. This is a, this is a form that the Holy Spirit gives us. And as a side note, I just want to let you know that, that the power of the Holy Spirit and dwelling in you and, and filling you with the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues is, it, when you look at it scripturally, you see that it is a separate and subsequent empowering that happens after salvation. Or even maybe it might be at the point of salvation, but it's salvation and surrendering to Jesus first comes and then you are filled with the Holy Spirit. At salvation, yes, the Holy Spirit does Dwell with those who confess Christ as Lord and Savior. It is only by the Holy Spirit drawing us that we can even know who Jesus is. But there is an empowerment that comes from the Holy Spirit for service, for power, and for demonstration to tell the world who Jesus is, and that comes as a secondary experience. And He wants to fill us today. The first type of tongue that I want to talk about as a public demonstration is a, is a demonstration to unbelievers. This is what we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Are you still with me? 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 22. It says this, Paul says, Therefore tongues are a sign, not for those who believe, but for the unbelievers. This type of tongue is what Paul is writing about happens when the Holy Spirit transcends our intellect or our own ability and gives us the ability to speak another language that is known to the hearer but is unknown to the speaker. This is what we see on display when the Holy Spirit falls on the 120 who are in the upper room. Yes? In Acts chapter, in Acts chapter 2. I'll read it to you. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 5, says this. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And this sound of the multitude came together. Notice they heard a sound. And they were bewildered because... Each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And yet we hear in our own native language. 
Parthenians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cap- Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Fig- something, I don't know, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene and visitors of Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. These men and women who came to Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost were there and they began to hear as they leave their own nations and travel to Jerusalem, they hear these men speaking their own languages perfectly, fluently. And it served as a witness to them that God was at work amongst those who believed in Jesus as the Son of God. It, it, it was a sign to the unbeliever that God was working. I remember my dad, he told me this story once when he was in high school. They had a foreign exchange student come from the UK. And after being invited, the young man went to my dad's church. I believe it was on a Sunday night. And they went to church and all of a sudden a woman began speaking in tongues. And if you've been raised in Pentecostal church, man, when you invite your friends, you're praying no one speaks in tongues that Sunday. You know, you're like, please don't freak my friend out. They'll never come back. They'll think I'm crazy. You know, and this started to happen in church. And my dad's like, please stop, stop. This guy is cool. Like, knock it off, lady. And the, time, the, the kid kept looking back at her. Kept being, he was bewildered, and he kept looking back at her. And he looked at my dad. He said, do you, well, he said like this, do you know what she's saying? Yeah, come on, bear with me, okay? I don't get to do this much, often. Do you know what she's saying? My dad's like, no. Do you? He's like, yeah, I know exactly what she's saying. I think I changed accents there. <laughs> Whatever. He's from the UK, okay? I don't know. Anyway, he tells my dad, they're speaking an ancient form of Welsh that my grandparents speak to me only. And I, I understand what she's saying. She's saying how wonderful God is, how beautiful, how majestic God is. The Holy Spirit took that opportunity to speak a language that young man knew but no one else knew to demonstrate that God is at work amongst the people who lift up the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit can do that supernaturally through us when he fills us with his Holy Spirit. It is a public ministry from that woman who yielded her her mouth to the Spirit of God and spoke to that young boy's ears. The Holy Spirit can do it. The second type of public tongues that I believe that we saw this morning is tongues that needs to be interpreted. Instead of being a known language here on earth that the person hearing it knows, but the person who's speaking it doesn't, this is a language that is from heaven that no one knows on earth, neither the hearer or the speaker, and we need the interpretation to understand what the Spirit is saying. Paul mentions this gift of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 10, he says, as, he's, as the Holy Spirit is distributing gifts to the people, he says, and to one he gives the gift of different kinds of tongues, and to another he gives the interpretation of tongues. We have this experience. We experienced it this morning. The Holy Spirit knew, and, and, and actually I wrote it down because I didn't know it was going to happen again. I wrote it down when we first launched this series. Knowing the Holy Spirit. Man, if you were here that Sunday, it was a powerful move of the Holy Spirit. We had tongues interpretation. And the Holy Spirit said, I want you to draw close. I want to, I'm going to pour myself out on you. Those who are hungry and who are thirsty. And it went along with my message before I ever got to speak it. 
showing me, it confirmed to me that we were on the right track. Do you know sometimes when I'm planning out series and praying about it, sometimes I'm thinking, God, I hope you're in this. I don't, I'm not trying to just entertain you with words. I want the Holy Spirit to speak through me. And the Holy Spirit confirmed me in that moment and still confirms today that He is wanting us to know Him more intimately. He is wanting to walk closely. He is wanting to partner with us. And He's wanting a deep, intimate friendship with you. He is wanting it. This type of tongues, this public display that Paul is speaking about, that's when he asks the question, do all speak in tongues? With the idea, no, not all have that gift. It is given to some to edify and to build up the church. But it must be interpreted or it doesn't do anything for us publicly. It has no benefit to us. So here is the distinction that Paul gives of these two types of public ministries. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 22 and 23, Thus tongues are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers but for believers. Therefore, if the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you all are out of your minds? Right, but Paul, when you read this, you think, Paul's out of his mind because it sounds like he's contradicting himself here. You just said that tongues is for unbelievers and a sign for them, but then you say if the whole church is speaking in tongues, they'll think we're crazy. He is demonstrating that there is a distinction between the two types of public ministry. The sign for unbelievers is when the Holy Spirit gives you a language that you don't know but they know, and it's a sign to them. The, the tongues he's talking about, if we're all doing it, and there's no one interpreting it, then that's when, you know, if you're speaking a heavenly language that no one understands, they think you've lost it. So he is distinguishing between these two types. He wants us to know if unbelievers or people who are unfamiliar with tongues come into the church where everyone is just speaking in a heavenly language that no one understands, they'll think we're nuts. And, and I'm sure that you've experienced that before, you all right? Have you ever walked into a church and maybe before you've been into a Pentecostal church or you have people and they're just gone to town? You're like, they've lost it. There's something wrong with these people. Get them water. Get them some milk. They're out of their minds. Yes? No. I've thought this and I grew up in a Pentecostal church, okay? It's not, it's not wrong. Some people are, some people were, never mind. But scripture is clear on this, that tongues were given not to bring confusion but to draw the hearers closer to Jesus when used appropriately in a public setting. And if it doesn't, then we might be using a private form of tongues to glorify God, but they don't understand what's happening, and it pushes them away. So we need to be mindful. And now I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray in tongues publicly when we're praying in our private prayer languages. We just need to be mindful of who is there and who's around us and if it's drawing them closer to Jesus or pushing them away. We need to be mindful of it. doesn't mean that we have to stop it. I encourage it, especially when we have our 9 a.m. prayer. Man, the people who are coming to prayer at 9 a.m., they, they, they know Jesus and they want to experience Jesus more. That is a perfect time for the Holy Spirit to pray in tongues and believe that the power is being released through your words. But sometimes in a church setting, we're going to have people who come in here who are unbelievers or who are uninformed about what's happening and it's going to be a distraction. So the, the Spirit of God gives us wisdom. And it says that the Spirit of God is subject to the one using it. The Holy Spirit is not going to just make you walk in public being like, hala, 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 hala. it's not going to happen. That's you doing it, drawing attention. 
Because the Spirit is subject to you. So you be mindful. And when we feel the Spirit moving, we can pray quietly to ourselves when we know that there might be unbelievers or someone who is uninformed about what's going on so that we don't push them away because tongues are there to draw people to Jesus. I don't know if I felt good about my own example of tongues right there, but I don't know. Lord, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So let's talk about the two private forms of tongues. We talked about the two public. Who are the two private ones that is given to us by the power of the Holy Spirit? The first one is for personal prayer. For personal prayer. Are you still with me? For personal prayer. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and 15, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, and I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, and I will sing with my mind also. Paul isn't talking about a public form of tongues here. He's talking about a private form that builds us up as we pray it. Remember, our authority is taken through the words that we speak, both in our language that we know and a language that we do not know. The Holy Spirit can pray through us the perfect will of God for us, our lives, and for others when we speak through His language. It goes beyond our understanding and our own limitations and what we pray for, even for ourselves to help us when we don't understand what to pray for. How many of you need to be built up in your faith today? Do you know the Holy Spirit does that when He fills you and you begin to speak in new tongues? He builds you up. The Bible says, it calls it edifies. It edifies you. It builds you up. It strengthens you. Have you ever, have you ever said to yourself when you've done something stupid, why did I do that? Why did I do that? What am I doing? What am I thinking? There are certain things that you will do that you do not understand why you do them. There are certain parts of your life that you do not even know about yourself, but can I tell you, the Holy Spirit does know. And the Holy Spirit can pray for those things in you that He wants to transform in you that you don't even know that need to be transformed. Do you know sometimes when you pray and, and, and you know that you have issues, right? When I have issues, I'll pray, God, help me. Help me with my anger, yeah? Help me love people more or, or deeply. Help me to forgive that hurt, right? You pray for things that you do know about and that need to be changed. But the things that you don't know how to pray about or don't even recognize, what do you do? You pray in the Spirit so that the Spirit can pray through you the things that need to be transformed in you. And He speaks the perfect will. Sometimes we don't know what to pray. I don't know if I should pray this or pray that. And sometimes people will just pray, God, you know, people are like, man, my, my marriage is breaking apart. Would you pray for it? And they walk in like, God, let thy will be done. No, take authority. God's will is for people to be together, right? So sometimes we, because we're afraid of what to pray for, we don't want to pray out of the will of God, we'll just do a random blanket. God, let your will be done. But if you want to pray the exact will of God, pray in the Spirit because the Spirit of God will speak the perfect will of, of God through you to God's heart. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that powerful? I'm hoping that I take away some of the confusion that is in tongues because, because it is not weird. It is just otherworldly. It's not natural because it's supernatural. But it can be something that is given to us, God's people, to help us take authority in the kingdom in the place that God has given us. He has given it to us. 
It goes beyond our understanding, beyond our own limitations. We don't know what needs to be done in our own lives, but the Holy Spirit does know and can pray that for you. When we pray in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit asks our Father in heaven to work in us the things that we are unaware of. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 2 says this, He who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. This is how we understand this is a private tongue. Because the other ones that are public, he says, they are for unbelievers or to edify the body. But he says those who speak in this kind of tongue, a private language, you're not speaking to anybody else. You're speaking to the Lord. You're speaking to our Father in heaven. This is what he's speaking through us. And what's powerful about that, it is a private conversation. It is, it is coded in the way that the enemy cannot know what you're saying. And he cannot attack what he does not know. When the Holy Spirit is speaking through you and praying for you and through you, through the Holy Spirit to God, the enemy cannot, and try to, cannot stop it or cannot try to interfere with it because the Holy Spirit is speaking a language the enemy does not know. And the second type, the last one, technically the fourth type, the second type of private tongues is for intercession. When we pray for people or for things that we don't even know we should be praying for, but the Spirit knows. Romans 8, 26, 27. I know I'm giving you a lot of verses today. Romans 8, 26, 27 says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. What's our weakness? Our weakness of knowing what to pray for. For we do not know what, what, we, uh, what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Holy Spirit can pray through us for the needs of other people around us that we don't, we don't even know about. Helping us to walk in authority, the authority that Christ has given us to share the good news and to bear a witness of His glory in our families, in our places of work, in our communities. This is happened I know countless times in my own life when I feel an urge or a nudge to pray for somebody to even pray for you and I don't know exactly what you're going through or what's happening in your life but the Holy Spirit brings you to my mind and I begin to pray for you in the spirit and I feel this in my gut he is praying he is interceding for you through my mouth and I consider that an honor honor and a privilege to be able to lift up the things I don't even know about what's going on that the Holy Spirit does know and He loves you and He walks closely with you and begins to pray for you. This happens and I'm sure that those of you who are filled with the Holy Spirit, you've, you've felt that too when the Holy Spirit begins to move in you and you feel this, this groaning in your spirit. You're interceding for somebody who may need your help or may, who may be in a difficult situation or a difficult spot and you're praying the will of God for their life and you may not even know about it. But you're releasing the authority given to you in the kingdom of God. By speaking the words of God through your mouth. This is the power of God. It's such a beautiful a gift that God has given us. And we've misunderstood it. Or we've become afraid of it. Or we've rejected it altogether. But it should not be something that we push away. It should be something that we draw near to. We don't seek the gift. But we seek the giver of the gifts. And when it happens, we yield to him. These are the four types of tongues that we see through scripture. And I believe that at least two of them are for every believer. 
You may not be given the public ministry of tongues or interpretation or the public ministry of speaking a fluent language that, that someone else knows but you don't know. But there are the private languages that, that the Bible says is for every believer. Every believer. I believe it. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to empower you with the gift of speaking in tongues today. Now, if, you're a, if you've given your life to Christ, you've repented of your sin, you, you desire to live your life for Him and not for yourself, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit today with evidence of speaking in a different language. And this is what I believe. So maybe some of you would ask, can I be baptized in the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues? I believe the answer is yes. I believe that you can, but I also believe that anybody who is baptized in the Holy Spirit has the ability to speak in tongues. I believe when the Holy Spirit does empower you and, and baptize you with His Spirit and with the Spirit of love, that you have the ability to speak. But what's the difference? I heard this analogy from John Brevere in his book. And, and it says, he says this, that being baptized in the Holy Spirit is like two people who walk into a river. One chooses to stand in the river and allow the water and the current to flow around them. And the other chooses to yield to the water's current, allow them the water to carry them downstream. Both are in the river, but only one yields to the moving of the river. When you can be baptized in the Spirit, you can be in the river. You can be in the water, but unless you choose to yield to the current of the Spirit, you will stand firm right where you're at. If you choose to yield to Him, that's what we talk about, yielding, allowing Him to speak through your mouth. When you say, Holy Spirit, I trust you, come speak through me, you are yielding to the water and allowing the Spirit to carry you where He desires to carry you. I think that's a good analogy. I think it's helpful because sometimes people feel condemnation. Now, I asked for the Spirit baptism and people were getting it. I never spoke in tongues. What, what's wrong with me? I don't believe in this. This is all garbage. And they walk away from the understanding of the gift that God has given. I just believe people sometimes have a harder time yielding than others. Some people can yield in a moment, man. They just, it's a beautiful thing. Other people, man, you gotta, you got to walk through it. And you got to choose to. It's not a head thing. It's a gut thing. And some of us who are very cerebral and some of us who, who, who think a lot and are always in our heads, it's hard for us to get out of our head and get it in our heart. There's a song about that. I'm not going to sing it. But it's hard for us to, to feel that thing, feel the gut and say, I trust you. And sometimes when we begin to speak, it's just a trickle. It just begins to come out. Or it might be just like, I don't know. I'm, I want to yield to you. And as you begin to continue to yield to you, then it flows out and continues to bubble out of you. And it's, it's foreign, but it's not strange. It's different, but it's godly. And he wants to speak through you today. You don't have to be fearful. This is an empowering thing. This is a, an encouraging thing that the Spirit wants to do in us today. This morning, I want to give an opportunity for anyone who wants to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to come forward and to receive the free gift of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. So as the worship team, would you come forward this morning? I want to give this opportunity. I don't want to miss it. We, we even heard through tongues and interpretation, a public ministry of tongues, the Holy Spirit call us, come, come. Come, I want to feel you. Come, I want to baptize you. I hope that I brought some clarity to tongues. I hope that you understand what this is for and why it's important. 
And it is a free gift to you if you want it. If you will yield to the Spirit. It is powerful. It is wonderful. It will draw you closer to Jesus. And if your goal is to be a follower of Jesus who walks closely with Jesus, this is a tool, this is a gift that will help you do it. I want to encourage you today to do it. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I do want to let you know that to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you first have to submit your heart to Jesus as, his, as, as your Lord and as your Savior. You have to surrender to Him and say, I give you my life. I put my trust in you. Come forgive me. Come and cleanse me. Wash away my filth. Wash away the sin of my life. I want to live holy and righteous for you. That comes first. And then the gift of the Holy Spirit is right there ready to meet you if you're ready to receive it. So as our, as our prayer team comes, and I want you just to come and line across the front. But I want to extend the invitation to anybody under the sound of my voice this morning who does not have a personal relationship with Jesus. You've never given your heart to Christ. You've never surrendered your life to Jesus. This is an opportune time to say, God, if you're real, I want to know you. If you're real, show yourself to me. He's not afraid. He is real. And he will meet you right where you're at. So right now, every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to give opportunity. If you're under the sound of my voice this morning, on the count of three, I want you to say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I just want you to raise your hand. Say, Pastor, would you pray for me? One. Two. Three. Right now, raise your hand. Say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. Is there anyone? Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Seeing no hands raised, that means that everybody in here has the opportunity to receive the free gift of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. This is a gift for you, and I want to encourage you. I don't know when you'll have another opportunity. I don't know when the Holy Spirit is going to be ready to move on you. I believe that he's ready today, and I hope that your hearts are ready to receive so with everybody, would you stand to your feet? And those of you who want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in new tongues so that you can be a greater witness and walk even closer to Jesus than you have ever before, then I want you to come forward. We'll pray together as the worship team begins to sing. Would you come? Let's seek the Lord. Let's receive. It is a free gift that is waiting for you if you'll step out in faith. Come on, would you come? Let's, let's receive the Holy Spirit today. Thanks for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to rate it and share it with your friends. That would help us out a lot. If you're interested in supporting the mission of Central Valley Church, go to cbcmadera.churchcenter.com for more information. We love you. God bless.